Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 16. Hear God's word from verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Call your attention again as we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy now for a number of weeks. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, and that's where we are in our study of the the person and work of the Holy Spirit, that He produces fruit. One of the fruits He produces in us has the ingredient of joy. Uh, It's a joy the world doesn't know. We've looked at this verse before, that where is that joy coming from? It's coming from Christ. In His presence is fullness of joy. Last week, we looked at all the side roads. Not all of them, but the primary ones, sidetracks to joy that we often get on. And a number of you said, yeah, that's where I I have been. I've been looking for joy in all the wrong places. I've been on the roads finding joy in my accomplishments, finding joy in circumstances, finding joy in things, finding joy in my looks, finding joy in um, people that I'm around. And I find that that joy is temporal. It always passes away. It just comes, it goes. This morning I want to go to the road where joy is found. We've been on the wrong roads. And it's obvious. But lots of times, if you're like me, you have to be reminded of the obvious. In His presence is fullness of joy. So if we're not finding fullness of joy, our joy complete and full, it's because we're not in His presence. So what are we going to do about it? Well, you could choose to just ignore it. A lot of people do. So, well, I don't know what to do, so I just don't do anything. I hope one day my joy ship will come in. Well, trust me, I've said this many times. If you don't send the ship out, it's not coming back. And a lot of times our joy ship, our money ship, our prosperity ship, whatever it is, it's just always been in the dock, and it's rotten, and it's going down. A lot of people think, well, I don't know how to send it out. I, well, it's not working. What, what, how do we get on the road to, to, to experience that joy? Ignoring it's just not a good option. It's, it's the option of the slackered. It's, it's the option of the irresponsible. We're not doing anything. We need to be doing things to stay on the road uh, to joy. <clears throat> Another thing we could, we could do instead of just ignore it, uh, we, we could choose to exalt our own misery. A lot of people take that path. You feel like if, if I just talk about how, how bad my life is, people will pity me. And as a result of pitying me, I kind of get lifted up. Because at least the attention's on me. Well, it's, it's, you, it's just not satisfying to have the attention on you because of how bad off you are. It really doesn't bring us joy. And I've said before, you could choose to just listen to positive communication and speech from Joel Olstein. You know, that might make you happier. Makes a lot of people happy, but it's a false message and a false messenger. So it really won't ultimately satisfy. How do we get on the road to full, complete 
joy. Let me put it to you this way. Think about it this like this. <clears throat> a number of years ago, uh, we used to live off Shackleburg Road. If those of you who came to our house, just put that image in, in, in your mind. Uh, when we bought that, that land and that house, and that was now, I guess, 23 years ago. It's a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> but the house had a gate. It's, it's a seven-acre lot, and the house is right on the back edge of those seven acres. To get to the house, you had to go down a long, winding driveway across the creek, up a hill, and there's the house. The lot is set back in the trees. When we bought the, the property, there was a gate there. And we wanted to be hospitable, so we took the gate down. You know, we didn't, it used to be a gate with no trespass kind of thing. But then, no, we want people to come down this, but we left all the fencing. So there's a fence down the left side, across the front, down the right side. The only way, and we had no neighbors either side or behind. So the only way to get to the house, you had to go through the gateway. Now, there's no gate there, just a gateway. You had to go through that to get to us. Think about Christ that way. Think about God that way. You have to go through the gate to get to Christ, where the fullness of joy is. Now, there's this experience from God because He overflows with joy, because He's the fountain of joy. Joy flows out of Him. It flows out of His house, down the driveway, over the fence. And many times what we're reaping is the overflow of joy, like the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, or the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. We get the overflow but what we're talking about this morning is not catching the overflow of joy, but, but going through the gate and getting the fullness of joy. Going to the very fountain of where joy is. What are some of those gates we can go, or gateways we can go through and experience fullness of joy? First one I give you is the gateway of prayer. It should be obvious again. That to get to God, we pray. And as we pray, in that prayer time, we're experiencing the presence of God. And if you're in the presence of God, you're experiencing the joy of God. Look at John 16, verse 24. John 16, 24. And Jesus says this about prayer and about joy. I'll probably back up and... Read one more verse there. John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. Can you imagine being told, up until now, you really haven't been praying? Lord, we've been praying. We were, we were brought up in church. We've been saying all sorts of prayers. He's, no, you don't get it. You've been bouncing words off the ceiling. You've been making requests, but you haven't up until now. You've, you've not made any requests in my 
name. You've not really attempted to go to the Father. You've not attempted to get into His presence by way of me, through me. No one goes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. You don't get into God's presence except through Christ. He says, until now, you've not gotten that. You've not been doing it that way. Are you praying in the name of Christ? Are you praying through Christ? Do you realize you only have access into the presence of God through Christ? You know, if I want to get somewhere, a lot of times I'm thinking, who can get me there? I'm not always thinking, how can I do it on my own? But who do I know? Because we know that if we know the right people, they can get us places we can't get on our own. And Jesus is saying that about prayer. He says, through me, I can get you somewhere you can't get on your own. I can get you into the very presence of God. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. We've got to, to, to take our prayers beyond mere words to say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. But rather, Lord, through Christ, in His name, what I mean by that is, I I need his cleansing. I need his shed blood. I need his righteousness. I need to be purchased by him. I need to be brought by him into God the Father's presence. I can't get there without him. He's the way, the truth, the life. I need access, and he's the key. Christ, take me into the very presence of God. And let me experience God hearing me. Same arguments made in Hebrews 4 says, we now have a high priest who is Christ who can empathize with our weaknesses. He knows what we've been going through and he's the one who's tore the the curtain in the temple down so that we have direct access to God. He says, you don't have to fear anymore running to, to God himself if you go through Christ because Christ makes the way possible. Um, and maybe you've, you've been praying, but you've not been praying in Christ, through Christ. Um, I just, I, 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 I love the, the, the phraseology here, of Jesus saying, you know, you've just really not been asking. He says, go ahead and ask. Ask through me. Watch and see the fullness of joy become yours. Um, Sometimes I hear people say, well, I just don't feel like praying right now. To me, that's like being sick and saying, I just don't feel like taking medicine. Nobody said you had to feel like it. Or it's like, I don't feel like going and seeing the doctor. Nobody said you had to feel like it. You need to go to the doctor. You need to take the medicine because that's the step. That's what you go through to get better. Somebody said, I just don't feel like praying. Well... When are you going to feel different? When you pray. Because in praying, you get the fullness of joy. Your, your feelings will follow right actions. But in, in, in this, this passage, in, in John 16, it, it's like Jesus is the doctor saying, I'm, I'm going to make you better. But you don't just have to take me. I'm coming to you. It's like your doctor calling you up and saying, hey, a lot of bad junk's been going around. 
And I'm, I'm just calling to see if you got any of it. Because if you do, I want you just to come straight on in to my office. And I'm going to take care of you free of charge. He said, well, that would be absolutely amazing. If my doctor did that. Well, that's what Jesus is doing. He says, up until now, you, you've really not been coming. Let me tell you what you do. I'm going to take care of you. Come through me. Just come straight in. You don't have to go to the receptionist. You don't have to have an appointment. Just come straight on in through me. And I'm going to give you what you need for the fullness of joy. We, we need to pray. I've, I've said this before. We, we need to read our Bibles the same way. We need to pray. and We need to read our Bibles until we're happy in the Lord. Because when you get, start getting happy, you realize you're in the presence of God. That that fountain of joy is, is beginning to flow over into your life through your prayers. So recommit yourself to this pathway to God. It's through Christ and it's through prayer in His name. Second gateway is the gateway of repentance and confession. You, you, are, are, you and I are approaching a holy God. It's going to please Him that we are concerned with holiness. Since he is holy. Look at Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11. Uh, most commentators believe David wrote this after his sin of murder and adultery. So he's got bad sin in his life. But he approaches God this way. Psalm 51, beginning at verse 10. Create for me. A clean heart. It's not clean. I, I, I want it to be clean. I want, I want holiness. Create for me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. David's saying, you know... When I sinned, I lost a lot. I lost my clean heart. And he uses the same word we have in Genesis 1. Create, establish something new here. Give me a new heart. And make it clean. And, 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 and don't let me quench or grieve the spirit anymore. That's what he means in the sense, don't cast your spirit from me. I'm, I'm grieving him. I'm quenching him because I've been... Choosing sin over him. And I'm ready to be clean. I'm ready to, to turn from sin. I'm ready to come back into a holy state with God. So fill me with your spirit. And by filling me with your spirit, you restore the joy of a saved saint. Um, losing our joy is, is often about our sin. So how to get back to joy, it's about our sin. Turn from sin, which is 180 degrees, it's about face. So you're walking in sin, and it's turn back to Jesus. Turn back to God. Turn away from sin. Turn to Him, and that restores joy. Um, unforgiving sin is going to definitely hinder our joy. If you're trying to hide something from God, it's a Whichever direction God is, if He's there and you're trying to go over here and hide it, you're moving away from joy, friends. 
Joy is with God. So you've got to turn from the sin, which is temporal pleasure, back to permanent, unending, irrevocable pleasure that Christ himself can give. Look at James chapter 4, 5 through 10. As James refers to, to our need here, repentance and cleansing. James chapter 4. the scriptures speak to no purpose he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us but he gives a greater grace therefore it says God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble submit therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. So if you're having fun in sin, He said, turn from that. Let that fun, that laughter be turned to mourning, to to repentance, to God, I'm sorry. Turn back to the presence of God. And watch what God does. He'll take your repentance. He'll take your humility. He'll take your turning. He'll take your desire from Him. And He will exalt you. Begins to lift you up with with all the joy and pleasures uh, that are in His right hand. He begins to do a wonderful work in us. Uh, You know, a lot of times uh, people have said that if you feel like you're missing God, who moved? It's not God that moved. God didn't run away from you. We are those who are constantly running away from Him. Running into sin, we have to turn from that sin back to Him if we really want to experience that joy. So think about the gateway, the gateway of prayer, the gateway of repentance back into the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 is an interesting statement, sometimes confusing to folks Talking about repentance without regret. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Paul says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Paul, talking to the Corinthians, said, You know, I know I've been saying some tough things to hear. And it's making you sad. He says, I'm really not upset at all that it's making you sad. He says, because the sorrow that you have is the sorrow that's leading you to repentance. And see, if you're leading, being led into repentance, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not fun to, to have to say, I was wrong. I messed up. I blew it. I've been seeking the pleasures of sin. Sorrow through that. Mourn through that. But go ahead through it, turn, because through that, turning that repentance, you enter in to the presence of God. There's no regret for that. It says you won't regret repentance. You won't regret turning from sin, because it's the gateway to joy and pleasures forevermore. So see that gateway. Repentance is is a daily activity. It's a lifelong process. It is a once and for all issue. 
to be saved, we must turn once and for all from Satan and from sin to God. But then it's a daily thing because we're still struggling with sins. And we have to turn away from them day after day after day. But it's the gateway back into the presence of God and His joy. Third, third gateway, the gateway of, of Bible study. I said it earlier, just reading God's Word. I want to take you to a, a more difficult passage on that rather than the easy ones. Look at Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. And the, the reason I take you here and say it's, it, it's more difficult is because Jeremiah had a reputation. Uh, Jeremiah had a reputation for being the weeping prophet. He's the one who cried a lot. He's the one who mourned a lot. He's the one who wrote the only book in the Bible called A Lament, Lamentations. So Jeremiah didn't have what looked to be, on the outside, a very happy life. And the reason he didn't have it was because he had been given the message by God to talk about judgment and to tell the people that you were fixing to go into judgment. And then he, he stood there as he watched Jerusalem burn, and, and he watched God judge the people of God. So he had a, he had a very tough circumstantial experience. Um, Jeremiah 15, verse 16, he says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Think of that. Like I said, and, 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 and when you realize a lot of the words he had found that he ate, that he, that he memorized, uh, were words of judgment, but nevertheless they were words from God. And they were words that he in particular and others were chosen of God. In the midst of all of this judgment, I'm choosing a people for myself. So Jeremiah says, I just ate that up. It became such a joy and such a delight to know that I am his and he is mine. And he, and he tells me that with his very words. <coughs> Read God's word to see it as this, this personal revelation of God to you. It, it, it's like a love letter. You, have you ever gotten a love letter? It's, it's like sometimes a birthday card or a Father's Day card or a Mother's Day card or something like that. Well, somebody's taken time to think about the words. If they couldn't write them, they purchased them. And, and they hand them to you. And those particular kinds of communications, we often don't just read once. We may save it a week and read it again and again and again because we cherish the relationship. We cherish the love that's being communicated there. If it's because there's this strange gap of geography because we're in the service or we're on some assignment and we're away from family and we get that letter, that communication because, you know, we can't, always FaceTime. 
You, know, you get that. Or even if you get a FaceTime, sometimes you'll record it. Because you know it's not as frequent. And, and, and Jeremiah's talking about the same kind of thing. He says, I got that. And, and, and I just ate it up. And those words were such a joy and a delight to me. We, we need to get into God's word that way. To realize the preciousness of God taking the time to come out of heaven and communicate with us. And he's chosen us as a people who get all 66 books. There's still plenty of people in the world today who only have a portion. But we've been given this book to delight in. Uh, look at Psalm 19. The psalmist says he realizes this and, and delights in it. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Just stop right and think about it. Just, have, you, have you ever read a verse in the Bible and said, Wow, that's just perfect. That's so perfect. Well, it's perfect on several levels. It's without flaw. It's without error. It comes from God who cannot lie. So it's, it's, it's truth. It's absolute truth. But there's also this experience that it's, it's just right on. It so fits me to hear God say these things. It restores my soul is where he leads us with that. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It's making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Make my heart rejoice. Rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Opens my eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, true, they're righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. That's the way to get in to the Word of God. You see, he's getting into the Word of God. He's getting off all the sidetracks. He's not saying, God, you've directed me through your word to have the best of circumstances. He says, no, 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 your word itself is my circumstance. You've, he didn't say, you directed me through the word of God to accomplish things. Or to get things. Or to become rich. No, he said, your word itself, just your words to me, restore me. So delightful for me, so perfect for me, so true for me, better for me than anything else or any other direction. It's your words. The Word of God leads us into the presence of God. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. So follow that path, the path of prayer, the path of repentance, the path of, of Bible study, just serious delight in what God says to us on a day-in, uh, day-out basis. Fourth gateway to joy is service. Service unto obedience. Um, if we don't obey, we're not going to really know the joy of Christ. John chapter 15. Let's look at that, verses 10 through 11. Here, Jesus given the whole parable of uh, the vine 
and the branches and how we need to abide in Him. John chapter 10, or excuse me, uh, chapter 15, verse 10. says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So keep God's commands. Obey Him. Serve Him through obedience to what He has to say. Have you ever been the person in authority and you've commanded somebody to do something? You expect them to do it. You kind of had the nod that it was going to be done. And you go away and then you come back and it's not been done? Is anybody happy with that situation? See, disobedience doesn't produce joy. It doesn't produce happiness. But if you come back and every, it's been done just like you asked and requested, it's, oh, this feels good. Feels good for you, feels good for them. Everybody's satisfied. Jesus is saying something simpler here. He says, just keep my commandments. He said, I've given you certain things to do. They're not burdensome. They're not cumbersome. You do that. I'm telling you to do that because it's going to make you happy. It's going to make you joyful. Satan's always tempting us. No, 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 don't do that. Come over here and do this. It'll make you happy. We've got to reject the words of Satan, embrace the words of Christ, embrace his commands, and find that they never make us sorrowful. They lead us to something that's, um, that's very wonderful. You know, you've all heard that if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And that whole comes from the stand. We need to do, if mama's in, in charge, if she's the manager over the home and, and we're not doing things in the home the way she wants them done, it doesn't make people happy. There needs to be obedience to authorities so that we can embrace the, and experience the joy that comes from, from pleasing those who are over us. Um, God is ultimately over us. He's given us commands. Sometimes we get um, sidetracked and, and, and think that uh, joy just comes through pleasing people. No, ultimately it goes from pleasing Christ. We don't disobey Christ to please others to get joy. We must always be doing what we do to please Christ. And that makes us happy regardless of the circumstances or how things turn out. Look at Colossians chapter 3. 22 through 23, a very popular verse we need to be reminded of here. Uh, just the focus needs to always be on seeking first Christ and His kingdom. Colossians chapter 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, says this, beginning at verse um, Well, that's chapter 1, that's why I couldn't find it. Chapter 2, um, Chapter 3, 22 and 23. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, uh, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So you have both there, the, the earthly person you're supposed to obey. Slaves, obey your masters. That's good. It's good to obey authority. 
But remember, in whatever you do, whatever your authority, to do what you do as for the Lord. As for the Lord changes everything. Uh, It changes our life to a calling. Uh, It takes us back to our God. You know, a non-Christian does not know where they come from. They don't know why they're here, and they don't know where they're going. But we know where we come from. We came from our Creator. We know why we're here, to seek Him and to live for Him. We know where we're going, to be with Him. If we live that way and we do what we do for Him, it, it is directing us always back to Him, and in His presence there is fullness of joy. Um, fifth gateway, the gateway of Christian fellowship. Look at Philippians 2 with me, and just notice all these rhetorical questions put out with the understanding that every one of them is answered in a positive way. Philippians chapter 2. I don't think we dwell on sometimes the positive of of the Christian fellowship uh, like Paul's got it here. Philippians 2, the first four verses, it says, therefore, if, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and like, duh, is there any encouragement in Christ? Yes. See, it's rhetorical. And it's always, the answer here is, yes, 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 yes. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Well, well, yeah. He said, well, if there is, what does that do for you? And he goes on, is there any consolation of love? Well, sure. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, well, sure. If any affection and compassion, sure. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in the same in the spirit, intent on one purpose, doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. What is he saying? He says, when you come together, you shouldn't be coming to to just get stuff for yourself. He says, is there any Go back. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Well, sure. Well, when you come together, you're the encouragement in Christ. And, and you're the one who's, who's encouraging others. You have gifts given to you by Christ through the Spirit. You encourage one another. Is, is there any fellowship because of this Spirit? Well, sure. Well, then you engage in this, this fellowship. Is there any affection and compassion? Is there any greeting one another with a holy kiss and do you get any comfort from that do you get any affection from that well yeah we do he said well then then do it y'all get together with this purpose y'all get together with this attitude y'all get together with this mindset that christ is in you and his spirit is in you and, and when you get together christ is working through you to every other person that's in christ And what will that do? It just builds you up. It just makes you feel loved. It makes you feel encouraged. He says, that's the body of Christ coming together. It's such a delightful experience when it's working that way. And it's a gateway to joy. Make my joy complete. There are plenty of people who don't have the fellowship of the saints. And there are plenty of people who only dabble 
in the fellowship of the saints. Here sometimes and not here others. But those who are fully engaged, those who are all in, those who come as ministers of Christ to minister to one another, you know what I'm talking about. You just feel like you're never alone. You, you know where you can always get a hug. You know where you can always be prayed for. You know where you can always be embraced. You know where you can always be directed. You know where you can always be built up. And you experience that week after week. And as the Spirit is, is in us and filling us, because we're, we're engaged that way, it brings us in to, to joy. That, that, that we... We live and we die in, in this, this fellowship that's so delightful. And of course, Psalm 16, the psalmist was there when he said, you know, I, I don't just make God my refuge, I make the saints my delight. And I, I find that it's, it's, it's God's pathway to joy. So see that the, the pathway of Christian fellowship. Uh, bad company, you know, corrupts morals. Because bad company is based on bad doctrines and bad beliefs. But when you're of the same mind, same purpose, same God, same Lord, same baptism, same um, doctrines, there, there's, there's such unity and peace and love and joy, and, and, and you're just built up in it. And that's what Paul is talking about there in Philippians. So many people squander Christian joy by not delighting in the saints and seeing just the, the the weekly shot in the arm, that is. It's just medicine to the soul to, to strengthen us and build us up. That life's not done alone. Six, gateway of redemptive vision. The gateway of redemptive vision. I'll just start with 1 John 3, verse 2. And I don't want to give you a, a, a number of passages, but, but catch, catch the vision that God wants us to have. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. See how great a love the Father, I'm starting at verse 1, the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. There's the vision we know it hasn't appeared as yet. You haven't seen yet all I'm going to be. I haven't seen yet all you're going to be. But I know this, that when you pass through heaven's gates and see Jesus, we will be like him. We're going to be like him in all of his glory, in all of his splendor. All of his perfections begin to flow to us in, in ways we've never seen or even thought about. That's where we're headed in Christ. We're not headed to a, to a, a place that's mediocre or, or to a life that's just kind of okay. We're headed to something far superior, far more glorious than, than we've ever thought because we're going to enter in to, in, a, in a fuller way into the presence of God and begin to experience His work. Why did Christ come and die? 
Why did God send His Son? We all know Romans 8, 28, right? God's working all things together for good. Catch verse 29, the verse right after it. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to become, catch this, conformed to the image of His Son. God's purpose was to make us like Him. The reason He's working all things together for our good is so that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. That we're going to be without spot and without blemish. God is, is working that. We, we need that vision of where we're headed, where we're going. Uh, this earthly scene, we think about our bodies wasting away. And even the Apostle Paul says, yeah, look at that like a clear pot, clay pot and it's, and, it's, and it's wasting away. But get your eyes off the pot. Think about that inner spiritual man that, that God is, is conforming to the image of Christ and he's making you more and more like Christ. And he's going to make you fully like him. It hadn't even appeared to you yet, but that's where you're headed. Ephesians 2, verse 10, we think about that as just everyday works. But it says, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works that were established beforehand that we would do. There's good stuff that we're always doing. And it's conforming us. Good stuff that's transforming us. And let me give you one other passage. Colossians chapter 1. The first four verses. Here it's just very specific on what we're to do with our eyes, where our vision is supposed to be. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1, says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, so if you're, if you're a Christian, if you've, if, you've been, if you've died to sin and you're living to Christ, it says, Then keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed then. You also will be revealed with him in glory. It's not appeared as yet. Hard for people to see. But you should see it. And I should see it. And our Eyes, our minds, our thoughts should be focused on it. Who am I in Christ? And what am I becoming in Christ? Where am I going in Christ? And how glorious it will be when I am revealed to the rest of the world as one of those who is in Christ. Because many will not be in Christ. But if we're in Christ, it's only getting better and better and better and better. I share this in, in, in marriage counseling with folks who come to me and they say, you know, we're really struggling. I said, one of the reasons you're struggling is you're trying to fix him and you're trying to fix her. I said, you need to quit trying to fix one another to be like you. I said, what you, your goal in marriage and our goal in the fellowship is always to point people to Christ. Point your spouse to Christ. Because what happens if your spouse is conformed to the image of Christ. Have we forgotten that Christ is the most glorious, the most awesome that we can possibly imagine? And so if your spouse becomes more like Christ, your spouse only becomes more glorious and more awesome. 
And if you become more like Christ, you only become more glorious and more awesome. And so you wake up beside this person who's becoming more glorious and more awesome because they're in Christ, and you're overwhelmed. And it just gets better and better and better and better. But we, we so lose that vision. Where, where, what are you looking at, friends? Are, have your mind been set above? Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Are you thinking about where you're going, how you're going to complete the race? Are you bogged down and so in the race, you don't even have a clue your direction? So you're, you're on side roads. The track to joy is, is the track of really knowing where you're going, whose you are in Christ. And that brings us great joy just through the vision of knowing that we are His and He's taking us. <clears throat> well, as I said last week, I fear many of us in our search for love, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for joy also in all the wrong places. The joy is not in the things, it's not in the circumstances, it's not in the accomplishments, it's not in our own strength, it's not in our own objectives, it's not in our own good looks. It's, it's not in these things. It's in the presence of God. And there's ways to actively pursue the presence of God. We get into the presence of God through prayer. We get into the presence of God through repentance. We get into the presence of God through Bible study that delights in God's law. We get into the presence of God through hearing His commands and obeying them, seeking to follow His ways. We, we get into the presence of God by getting into His church where His Spirit dwells, the habitation of His holiness. And we get into the presence of God by, by thinking of what He's doing, where He's taking us, and listening to His vision of what we will be in Christ. Imagine that the, uh, the McCants Swimming Pool, Shepherd Swim Center, y'all remember that? Remember? It's still down there in the bowl, okay? And your little baby's learning to swim. And the swimming lessons are going on, and you've been to about 10 of them now. They haven't made it across the pool yet. So you're sitting back in that hot room, one of the chairs, and you're just on your phone, you know, texting or doing something. But finally, the kid makes it across the pool. And as soon as the kid makes it across the pool, he turns back to mom and dad and says, Mom and dad, I made it. I made it. I made it. But mom and dad's over there texting. And doing something else on their phone. Wait, wait, mom and dad, I made it, I made it, I made it. But you're still texting and finally, go, oh, yeah, that's good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're still texting. And what happens to the kid's joy? It's gone. Why? Because where was the joy? The joy was not in conquering the pool. The joy was not in accomplishment. The joy was not that he was stronger than the others and finally made it. It wasn't in strength. The joy was not in the circumstances. The water was just right today, so I could. No, the, the joy was not in any of those things. The joy was in the presence 
of mom and dad. And you take the presence away, and the joy's gone. And we've got to learn the same for our Father in heaven that we're full of joy when we're in his presence. And he's never off texting, he never slumbers, he never sleeps. He's always with us without shadow or turning. We need to seek his presence. And when we find his presence, we always find fullness of joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for gateways. Thank you that we're not locked out. How terrible that would be. But Christ, you're the door. And the door is open. Father, for anyone in this room who's not gone through the door, draw them through the door today. May they know Jesus. Without Jesus, they'll never know joy. Father, for those of us who know Jesus and have been swimming in the pools of the world, thinking it would just fill us, let us turn back and see we'll only be filled in Christ. Forgive us, turn us back, get us off the side roads, get us going through the gates to joy, the gates to Christ, day in and day out, all day long. Father, we delight in your presence. We just truly want to be where you are, because in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Father, through this communion meal, may we get there. May we experience you afresh and know your joy. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.